It's like the website is our most important asset and we could be doing so much more with it. Hey friends, welcome back to the Black Diamond Podcast. This is your host, Eric Malzone. And this is the show where I have the absolute pleasure of interviewing entrepreneurs, founders, change makers, and people who are just creatively leading the way through innovation. And it's not only about successes and, and great stories, because you'll definitely get those, but it's also about the personal challenges and the vulnerability that we face along the way. So this show is brought to you by Level 5 Mentors, helping entrepreneurs and founders achieve the highest levels of freedom in five different categories, time, money, relationships, health, and purpose. And if you wanna find out how you're doing in those five categories, we got you covered. We got a survey for that. Just go to level5mentors.com forward slash survey. And you can take the free entrepreneurial survey and see how you're doing in each category and see where you have room for improvement because hey, we can always be improving. So welcome to the show. Let's get on to it. Amber Vilhauer, welcome Oop. to the Black Diamond Podcast. <laughs> really happy to be back with you, Eric. I'm a huge fan. Yeah, likewise. I love what you do. I enjoy our Me conversations too. thoroughly. I wish you weren't so busy so we could talk more often, but you are in high demand. And I really appreciate you coming on the show today. And thanks to uh, Ken for, for getting us hooked up again. So Amber, I've, I've got the pleasure of interviewing you on my other show, The Future of Fitness, a few years back. I love what you're doing. I, I think the message that we're going to really drill down on today is is extremely powerful, especially for this crazy thing called 2020 and how people are interacting and the connections that we have interpersonally. So let's let's start with this, Amber. Give everyone a little bit of background. What do you do? How did you get to what you're doing now? Sure. I own and operate a company called NGNG Enterprises, which stands for No Guts, No Glory. And it was a business I started back in 2007. And I had prior to that sold Cutco Cutlery. I was very successful in that organization for five years in management, breaking a lot of national records, just really awakened into my entrepreneurial self there. And then I found myself doing a little bit of event planning for a local conference that was teaching business owners how to market their business online. And I thought, wow, that looks really challenging, <laughs> which is good for a personality type like mine. So I went home and I taught myself code and I set up my own website in my mid-20s and I started geeking out on this stuff. I started blogging about all the things I was learning about, search engine optimization, copywriting, funnels, social media, monetizing online. And at that time, I had a, a woman out in Vancouver that reached out through my contact page, and she asked if I could help manage her website. And I said, yeah, sure, I could do that. <laughs> and anything I didn't know how to do, I just went to my friend Google at the time, and, and I taught myself how. The other thing that happened is I had a publishing company owner. She was out in California. She had watched my event planning work at that conference. And she said, I really like how you are with people. You're really well organized. You're a strong writer. Could I teach you how to launch books and have you come on to my team? And I said, sure, I could do that. <laughs> <laughs> and so I started, I found myself launching books for 
massive, well-known global thought leaders like Lisa Nichols and Les Brown and Mark Victor Hansen. It was just a phenomenal opportunity. So at that time, all to say, Eric, I was saying yes to opportunities. I didn't have a strong business plan. I hadn't gone to business school, but I was committed. And I knew that if I just created an exceptional experience, if I focused on the customer value first, it would just become evident what I was supposed to do next. And what's funny is for the first seven years of this business, Eric, I actually didn't take it too, too seriously. I always thought it was a stepping stone to some bigger career that was going to unfold in front of me. And it kind of didn't by year seven. And when I looked around, I was offering a lot of different products and services. I was running a very profitable and successful web agency with a team of 20. And I thought, well, maybe this is the business. <laughs> this is, I'm already living the career. And I just decided to really go all in and develop the culture and the company and the operations. And it's been a, just the most meaningful journey. Today, we still offer websites and marketing and book launches. We help speakers and authors with building their digital platform and growing and monetizing their business. Awesome. So I, I have to ask, you you mentioned earlier when you you decided to start geeking out, right? And learning things and doing the research. And you said for a personality like mine, what is it? it unpack that a little bit. What is a personality <laughs> like yours? Well, who you hear um, or see today, if you go scope me out online, is very different than who I was growing up. I would say the first 20 years of my life, I, I was just not very fond of myself. I didn't know that I had much value in the world. I didn't know my place in the world. I started out as an observer. And when you observe, you're not a big talker. You're not in the spotlight. You're not super social. And kind of add to that, my older sister was very much the spotlight person. And so I often felt sort of overshadowed. I just never really cultivated that skill of like putting myself out there and using my voice. And that has become sort of this lifelong theme for sure. And when I entered into school, I never really fit in. I didn't belong. It just felt like that feeling inside, that lack of worthiness just kind of kept growing and compounding. And it made it very difficult for me to have courage and terms of like standing up for myself or in debate or raising my hand in class. And so it impacted my grades and then that impacted my behavior and then impacted my decision-making. And it just snowballed until when I was 16, I just wasn't headed down a good road. I'll put it that way. And I'm happy to go into it further. But really when I was 16, there was a moment where I really had to make a decision about the kind of life that I wanted to have and the, the way I wanted to feel about myself. And I, I really learned in that moment that nobody was going to save me. I had to save me. And so I started making different decisions day by day. And it took years of making different decisions. And I made decisions based on how I wanted to feel on the inside because whatever you're feeling and experiencing on the inside is truly what creates your reality. For example, if you're a really negative person and you don't you don't have faith in humanity, you will seek out evidence of that and you'll find that people are liars and cheaters and thieves and you'll you'll seek out that evidence to get validation and now you're 
you're right, right? Like your outside reality is that the universe is not a kind place. <laughs> but if you feel good on the inside and your heart open and you're seeking love and validation in that way, then you'll have it everywhere. And so that was just something I, I learned at a young age. I'm so grateful for that. And by the time I went into Cutco, that positive environment, man, I just grew like a rocket ship after that. And I learned more about public speaking and the power to positively influence others. And the better I felt on the inside, the more I saw how much I really want to help others feel that way too. And so I learned a lot more about values and living by those values? And then how do I seek out those values in others? And how can we share those values in communication and opportunities like this, Eric? We're very aligned in our values in this episode. And that's meaningful and it's fulfilling and it just changes your entire reality in such a powerful way. So yes, I, I, for a personality like mine, I will say that there was quite an evolution that has occurred. And I really want to inspire people that no matter how you feel on the inside, it's possible to change that and feel better. Oh, that's awesome, Amber. Thank you for sharing that. I know it's not always sharing. It's not always easy to share the harder times, but I think <clears throat> people like you, especially when, when you do show that vulnerability, it just makes you that much more trustworthy. Sure. Right? And that's, that's, uh, that's something that people... People are so scared to be vulnerable in any circumstance, whether it be personal, professional. But when you do, it it's like an automatic trust building machine. Like people are like, oh, they're willing to admit that they've been wrong. Like I tell people all the time, listen, I'm probably only better than most people at one or two things. Just assume I suck at everything else. And that, <laughs> hey, it's very liberating when I say that, right? Because I know what I'm good at and what I'm not. But also it just makes them laugh like you did. And then it also... It, it just endears them to me. And they're like, okay, I can trust this guy. That's he's not, right. not going to try to fleece me and say he's good at everything and that he should have all the opportunities. And it's just not that way. And it sounds to me like you're probably a little introverted when you're younger. Is that, is that accurate to say? Definitely. Um, definitely introverted. And I, I do still lean a little bit in that direction, but I think I've almost trained myself out of it to a degree, just by nature of being a public voice in the online world. I'm always speaking. I'm live streaming. I'm doing videos. I It wouldn't be uncommon for me to do eight to 11 Zoom calls a day with clients or prospects or teams, very much leadership. So I've just learned how to manage my energy and manage my body in a way that enables me to do more good in the world. But it was a journey for sure, because the thing about introversion is it really comes down to how you try to conserve your energy. That's why if you're introverted, you can't wait to have alone time because that's how you restore. But if you want to be an influencer in the world, somebody that influences others in a positive way, if you want to impact the world, you're going to have to learn how to gain energy as you're talking like right now, this is an opportunity for me to feel exhausted and drained at the end. Or I could look for moments of connection with Eric. And when we connect, you get a little burst of energy. It happens every time. Imagine it like Christmas morning or seeing a fireworks show or that inhale when something awesome happens, it gives us energy. So finding those moments of connection all day long and Zoom calls and videos and live streaming and everything else, it actually feeds me 
even though it looks like I'm just doing this output too. So it's just really interesting stuff. This is stuff I think about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. And it's it, it is it's fascinating because I, I know, especially in in these times of so much Zoom, right? Well, for me, it really hasn't changed. I was nomadic for three years, so I was on Zoom all the time. But doing five, six, seven, you said even 11 hours or something like that on Zoom, that's really exhausting because you don't really get, you have to be hyper-focused, right? Especially in type of work that that's we do. Right. You have to be super focused on what's going on. You, you can't really miss it. And it's harder to pick up on the little things that you would pick up in person, which means you have to really concentrate even more. And it's it's a tiring time for for introverts. And I think you and I are similar as we both introverts who have trained ourselves to be highly social. But at the end of the day, man, I just wanna I just wanna shut it down. Like I, I don't want to talk to anybody. Time. <laughs> yeah, I want to <laughs> shut it down. Love it. <laughs> so before we get into what you were referring to as our values of align for this particular episode, we're going to get into that because it's really important. But I just want to let people know a little bit more in depth about what you do, the book launches, the websites, all the different things. Sure. Well, we've launched almost a thousand websites over the years. I've really observed all of the trends and I'm a little bit of a futurist. So I'm always looking at where is design going. And then I try to lead the way for other agencies and designers to follow on board. And what makes us different is that we want to build really experiential websites. And this is still a very new conversation that I'm trying to have online. It's like the website is our most important asset and we could be doing so much more with it. And people just kind of don't put that much effort or energy into it. They don't want to invest into it. They think social media is the place to be. And, but what happens once you develop that connection with your following on social media, well, you want them to come back to your website to learn about what it is that you do and then convert into a customer. So that website has to be awesome. Otherwise, you're just good on social media. So a lot of people out there can design a nice looking website. That's not enough. You really have to go deep into consumer psychology, understanding how a customer wants to take the journey through the website and how that's different for how you want them to take the journey. You want to make sure that they feel connected that you are transparent in your process and offering so that by the time they get into a sales interaction with you, like sales call, they're already armed with the information that they need to make a buying decision versus the old way of, of interacting would be, I'm going to hide all of the details until I trap you into a sales conversation. And then using scarcity and fear tactics, I'm going to try to close you on the spot. And it's just the world is evolving into a more conscious state. And when that happens, your your approach to sales and the way that you communicate with people and allow them to make decisions, that also has to shift, right? So <laughs> the website is, is a pretty important conversation to have. We, we love having that conversation. I then also help my clients with their marketing plan. If you were to go to Google and type in how to market my business online, I'm sure you'd come up with an article that says, here's the 1,062 things that you should be doing to market your business online. And that's insane. So I work with people to really hone in on and simplify their marketing strategy so that it makes sense based on their values, their time, their team, 
their budget, their platform, what fulfills them. Those are all criteria that need to go into designing a marketing plan that actually makes sense for your organization. If you don't like Twitter, don't be on Twitter. That's fine. There are other things that you can be doing. So again, it's just about making sure you have alignment and that the plan makes sense and you're not just doing things to stay busy. So love having the marketing conversation. And book launches is something that the marketplace has told me that they tend to want the most from me over the years. And I find that kind of interesting because I I kept that as almost a hidden service for most of the past 13 years because I, I kept pushing websites and marketing. But I about a year and a half ago, I started working with Mike Michalowicz, the author of uh, Profit First and Fix This Next. And when I started working with Mike to launch Fix This Next, he told the world about me. He was like, oh, Amber and I are launching this book together. And then it was just out. So now people really identify me in that way. I'm not sure why I kept it hidden for so long. I mean, I had probably launched about 30 books just kind of through word of mouth, but I guess I didn't want to have too many competing offers when I was still trying to figure out, do I want to be a website company? Do I want to be a book launch company? And now the market has accepted that I do both, which is really nice. And then last for select clients that we really are connected with deeply, once their book launch is behind them, they we have conversations about, can we partner to really invest in their company and grow it on the back end? So we're doing virtual events and courses and funnels and certified coaching programs and all sorts of interesting things that you don't see on the public facing website, but we do it on the back end when it, when, you know, all the cylinders align. Wow. There's a lot there. There's Amber. It's funny about Michael McCallowitz and his, obviously you probably read his book, pumpkin planning. And it's I like, he, he was the pumpkin for you, right? For people who haven't go to the red book, like you, like one amazing client that was probably one of your favorite types to work. For. I'm just, I'm guessing here. He is. He's one then, of my favorite people on the planet. So it just spread into more and more people like him. And it's, it's a really interesting, almost ironic twist to the, to the whole thing. And it, it's great. I mean, there's, there's so many different, but it all still aligns. I mean, if you're going to put up in, in one sentence, maybe you thought about this, but what it is that you do, what, it, what do you think that would be? I help conscious thought leaders develop an online platform and make a bigger impact in the world by scaling their influence. Yeah. Yeah. I would even keep it simpler. I think I would say that you positively, positively impact those who positively impact others. And that's kind of, but you just find different ways to do it and you're always looking for innovation solutions. So it's, it's really, it's really impressive to see you work. So let's talk about, well, you got a book coming out, but let's, let's talk about this topic. Cause I'm really excited about it. Elevate every experience. Tell me what that means to you. Isn't that so great? I mean, if I could separate myself from that for a moment, like I wasn't the one that came up with that. I just <laughs> love that title. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. It's so good. A lot of work went into developing that, that title. lot of work. Basically, over the past 13 years, Eric, I have really focused in on how to create meaningful connection with individuals and save my time without sacrificing quality. So for example, in sales, 
I thought, wow, I can't keep having these one hour sales calls with people. And every time I go into a sales call, they don't know what the process is. They don't know what the pricing is. And I'm sitting here spending my time. And most of the time, this prospect is not a fit. I was only closing about 25% of the time. But the connection was there because that's always a must. So I thought, gosh, there has to be a better way. How can I accomplish connection but cut my call time in half? So what I did was I created a video on my website that introduced you when you first showed up. I would tell you exactly what I do, who I do it for, what makes us different. I would invite you to the website page to learn step-by-step the process I would take you through. And then you would qualify to download my pricing menu to learn all of our rates and payment plan options ahead of time, all of the terms, et cetera. And only at that point would you finally have access to book a call with me. Then I would have a 30-minute call with you. And by the time you and I would get into a sales call together, you would say, Amber, I feel like I already know you. Thank you so much for saving my time. I know exactly what the process is. I think I want a 60-hour block of time on a six-month payment plan. But I just want to firm up, like, what's your vision? And then Eric, I would only have the fun parts of the conversation with that person. I would still have the connection. I saved a ton of time and now I'm closing 80% of the time. That's the way my brain has thought, like developed this business. I went into marketing. I was once a week creating a video, doing a newsletter, coming up with a blog post. Then I'd have to do my social media. I was all over the place and I thought there's got to be a better way. How can I save my time without sacrificing quality while maintaining connection? I knew that you can create the best connection with video. So I created a batch of tip videos and simply gave them to my assistant. I asked the assistant to publish one video a week on YouTube watch the video and craft my blog post based on the content. She didn't have to be the world's greatest copywriter because now she knows my voice and my phrasing and my methodology from the video. So there's total consistency. Then she would do my social media and send an email to my list based on the video. All I had to do was create a video that's three to five minutes. And now I empowered my team to do the rest. And it's all based on connection because of the way that we started with the video and her picking up on my voice and that, that messaging in the video. So I guess that's another example of how now I have total consistency in my marketing. People feel really drawn to me. Then they go to the website where they experience that sales process. And it's just created this amazing harmony inside of the company while drastically saving time. I see all of these thought leaders out there that are talking about automation, automation, funnels, fine, except please go the extra mile and try to figure out how to make people feel like valued individuals as they go through and open each email and they're watching each video because that is absolutely possible. And I then kind of took the same style of thinking and development and I put that into the internal operations of my company. How can I make this operation go faster without sacrificing quality while also maintaining that connection? And I have transformed the way that we hire the way that we develop culture, the way that we develop leaders in our organization, the way we make decisions, communicate, everything, just with that way of thinking. All to say 
that that's what this book is about that I'm writing. It's called Elevate Every Experience, How to Develop Personal Connection to Scale Your Influence. And I really break it down how you can think this way and operate this way in your own business when it comes to marketing, sales, and operations. And once you have this company where it's really dialed in and you have this harmony and flow, it opens up the most unbelievable options in terms of how you can use your influence to positively impact the world and focus on giving back and focus on legacy and then help grow other people's legacies too. So I'm, I'm fired up about it. I think it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it is. It reminds me of something that I, I talk about all the time. It's that it's a lot easier to work harder than it is to work smarter. And I'll say that again for people. It's a lot easier to work harder than it is to work smarter because what you've done from my point of view, what I'm seeing is that you took a step back and you're like, well, how do I, how do I work smarter? And then you, you, you built it around, you really pointed out like, well, what do I want? What does the client experience need to be? And how do I take all those touch points, improve them with taking nothing away, yet That's save right. yourself time. And that is not easy. How long did it take you <laughs> to figure all this out? I mean, what period of time are we talking about? The sales piece, I was probably two years into the company, just beating my head against the desk, just miserable on a lot of failed calls and just not just feeling clunky about it, not attracting consistently the right people. And then once I got that under my belt, it locked in. And I think it was not long after that, that I looked at my marketing and I thought, man, this is not, this is clunky too. What can I do about this? And I'm always doing that. If I do something more than two or three times, I'm automatically trained now in my mind to think, what's the better way to do this? What's the better way to write this email? What's the faster way to do whatever? How can I drive more connection? It's just whatever we put our focus on, it grows. It becomes cemented in that way. And I have chosen to invest my energy in that area. So can you walk us through some of the methods, like the thought process you have of how we elevate every experience? Sure. I mean, everybody's going to interpret that a little bit differently, but what I talk about in the book is that connection is an exchange of a sought after value. So I am operating in the world and I might be looking for honest people. And if you're walking around in the world and you're also looking for honest people, then we engage in a conversation and I just might naturally use that languaging somehow about how I just love honest people. And then in that moment, you're like, oh my gosh, I love honest people. <laughs> <laughs> We're like a match made in heaven, right? And then all of a sudden you have this exchange of a sought after value. So we live by all sorts of different beliefs and values and all of our opinions, right? And when you do the work inside to really look at like, what do I value? Oh, well, I really value it when people are honest. I value it when people tell me how they're thinking. I value it when people are open as opposed to closed. I value it when people show up on time as opposed to when they're late. I value it when people are doers instead of thinkers, right? I mean, you'll just start to casually observe the way that people show up. And when you pay attention to your feelings, you'll, you'll know what feels right for you, right? And the more you start to really identify the things that you value that are really important to you, 
the more apparent that come becomes to other people. Like I'm always on time, show up on time. That's really important to me. I show up intentionally. Like I'm, I'm strong in my body. I'm strong in my voice. I'm fully present. So just by being natural, you can start to observe my own values. And now you can do this in other people too. But what I'm always doing is I'm looking for moments of connection. And in order to do that, the easiest thing to remember is to elevate every experience. So for example, if I'm on a Zoom call and Eric comes in, I can just tell he's slumped over, he's kind of late, he's disheveled, he hasn't really, doesn't seem to care about his appearance, he's not really smiling. And he's, he's like, oh, hey, Amber, so what area of the country are you calling in from? That's an opportunity right there. I'm always seeking the opportunity. So instead of just saying, oh, I'm in Denver, where, where are you calling in from? That doesn't give Eric much to go off of, right? Unless he just happens to have been in Denver, he's lived in Denver, he knows somebody in Denver. But instead, what I usually try to do is I'll say something like, well, I'm originally from Tucson, Arizona, and in my early 20s, I got this job selling Cutco Cutlery that then actually brought me to Denver, where I came out and helped run the division. Now, I live just north of Denver in a small kind of farm town called Frederick that nobody's heard of, but I love it because I have a lot of open space around me, but I'm really close to the freeway, so I can zip around to Boulder or down to Denver if I want to. Well, where are you calling in from, Eric? <laughs> and when you when you answer in that way, Eric is going to find some connection point within that. Oh my gosh, my grandma lives in Tucson or I love cactus or wow, Cutco, I sold Cutco or gosh, I love it in Denver. My aunt used to live there. Or there's so much more opportunity because you're being more open, you're clear on who you are and you're trying to elevate the mood. You're being open, you're being present. You're you're trying to give to the moment. And people respond. They just show up in that way. And you don't just do it in the first part of the call. I do it constantly throughout. I'll give you one more quick example. Yesterday, I was on a call with this woman, Monique, and it was a sales conversation. And she was beautiful and lovely. And we had already built a connection. We hit it off right out of the gates. Because I've done my marketing so well, I literally just get to work with the best people in the universe because I'm really intentional about my values and the way I speak online. So if you don't share those values, you won't find yourself on a sales call with me. You'll just naturally mosey on. So anyway, Monique is here. We're totally hitting it off. And she makes a comment about how she has a love-hate relationship with technology. I could have just said, yeah, no kidding, and then moved on. But instead, I thought, oop, there's an opportunity. So because people feel self-conscious of that when they're talking to somebody that they perceive knows more about technology than they do. Actually, she was trying to tell me in, in her subtle way that she was insecure and felt less than in this conversation. That's how my level of awareness took that. So I thought, oh, Monique. I have a love-hate relationship with, with technology. In fact, just yesterday, I was on with my social media team. I was trying to film this video, and there was this random filter going over the video. I didn't know how to get it off. I'm not joking you, 20 minutes, I tried to get this filter off my video, and I wanted to throw my iPhone out the window. So Monique, I totally get it. Just because I build websites doesn't mean I'm exempt from that. And you should have seen the look of relief on her face. She burst into laughter and now we're connected, right? So it's like, 
when you really start to just open yourself and be present, aware to the opportunities, man, she felt so connected to me. And that is a huge part of a buying decision. That's how you're going to scale your company into next year as you focus on those moments. Oh, that's so awesome. So I, I, I'm digesting what you're saying, and I'm kind of looking at this from two different perspectives. You are actively seeking moments to connect, right? Like you, it's kind of like that thing, like no one sees a, a yellow VW bug anywhere until you <laughs> start looking for them, right? And then they're everywhere. There's that. I think it's, I can't remember, it's like retinal, something other. And then also you're, you're creating what I would, I guess, refer to for lack of a better term as connection vectors on yourself. Like you're opening yourself up to all kinds of possibility of connection that that person may latch on to as well. And therefore you kind of get in this, this two-way strategy of, of intentionally creating connections. It's, it's awesome. I love it. Yeah. And what most people will walk around and they'll be kind of closed and guarded because they don't want to get hurt or they're just not in the mood and okay. Worst case scenario, what happens? Well, nothing happens, right? That person moseys on, they, they do their day, or perhaps in the worst case, you made their day worse because you were a grouch to be around or a grump and nobody likes to be around somebody grumpy. And so what is the impact that that's going to have on the rest of the day? You didn't feel good. That person didn't feel good. The next people you both interact with won't feel good. And so I guess that's the cost of not adopting Elevate Every Experience. But for me, like, why would I want to live that way? Why would I consciously choose that? That's silly. And so instead, I want to consciously choose to stay open, even at the risk of getting hurt, because I still have that feeling of love far more than, than I would otherwise. And I'm just going to give you one more example because people love this, Eric. Elevating every experience doesn't always have to mean that you're like intentionally trying to impact somebody, especially you introverts, you're trying to protect your energy, but you could even look at it like, how do I make every moment better around me? My mom used to say all the time, leave the campground better than when you found it, leave the campground better than when you found it. So I've even gone into public restrooms before and I notice that there's a bunch of paper towel on the floor. And while I'm wiping my hands, I take my paper towel and I'll pick up all the stuff on the floor and throw it away. Now, I wasn't getting a reward for that. I didn't get paid for that. But what? It's going to elevate the experience for the next customers that come in to use that bathroom. And what did it take me? Didn't take me anything except a second and a little bit of awareness. But when I feel better about myself and I walk out now, my energy is brighter and stronger now I'm going to make a positive impact on the world in that way too. So it's not always just person to person. It's your environment in general. So there's probably people listening and thinking, well, that sounds amazing, but I'm not Amber Vilhauer. I'm not this bubbly, positive personality and a successful high-driving high driving entrepreneur, right? This isn't for me. What, what, do you, what do you say to that? I say that's false. <laughs> With love, of course. But no, I mean, it's a, it's a choice. I mean, people are going to do what feels right for them. But at the end of the day, what I'm promoting is there's an opportunity for you to feel differently about life. And it's going to come from the feelings that you cultivate from within and how you elevate other people's feelings, especially right now in a business sense, your customers are suffering. Your team 
is suffering. And look, I'm not a doom and gloom person, but because you're probably observing me as this bright bubbly person, nobody is exempt from it on the planet. We are all faced with fear, uncertainty, overwhelming stress, decision fatigue, information overload. We are constantly getting pitched to, which is just beating us down. We don't know who to trust. This is the reality of our world right now. So in knowing that, I walk into my team meeting today with my leadership team, and I think, how can I elevate the experience? How can I get smiles on their faces? How can I make them feel appreciated and valued? Because what? If I don't breathe that life and and that happiness into them, how do you think they're going to behave to your your customers? Status quo? Is that good enough for you and your brand? Because it's not for me and mine. So we had instead this morning, we had an amazing conversation about how to, how we show up on Zoom calls. Are you slouched when you're not in the spotlight talking? How do you look? Are you nodding your head? Are you engaged? Are you leaning in? Are you working? Right? Because when you're working, everybody knows you're working. It's not a secret. You're not that sly. Like everybody can tell. So it's like, how are you showing up? And we had this great conversation. The team was laughing. I could feel the power in their bodies. And that's how you want to lead your team. And that's how you want to have Zoom calls. And that's how you want to have podcast interviews and record your videos and send out emails. It's a choice. You you hit on something that's really, it's, I would say it's insidious, but it, because it happened, but it happens so fast. It's like we got into this ad apocalypse where all of a sudden everybody's out to sell us something. I I'm LinkedIn is my platform of choice. I'm on it every day intentionally um, looking for connection, I guess, now that you put perspective on it on LinkedIn, because I think it's, it's, there's so much automation on that platform that when you do reach out to somebody with an authentic message, it, it's like it stands out. Yeah. And I, I think when that, in this type of environment, having that that mindset of like, well, maybe take the extra five to 10 minutes and actually prepare yourself before you write a message. And I, I'm curious your thoughts on this, but my, my take is that all this automation that people are doing on, let's just say LinkedIn, because we're already using the example, I think it does more harm than good to your brand. I mean, if you're just going sheerly for the numbers, right? Like, well, I know one out of a thousand will, will respond or whatever number that they're banking on. And we can't be good for your business or your brand in the long term. It seems like a scorched earth strategy. It doesn't feel good. I mean, honestly, even when you say that, oh, one in a thousand, my physical reaction to that is gross. I mean, I want to say shame on you. Oh my gosh, treating people like a number. These are people with children. These are people with real pressures, like the pressures you face, and you're just going to treat them like a number. Really? Like there's such an opportunity. And I think that, look, I don't think anybody is intentionally trying to treat people like numbers. I think it's just a lack of awareness. And that's all that we're trying to do on this podcast. And I'm not trying to be high and mighty right now. I'm just trying to wake up humanity a little bit to say, it's time to step into the new way of marketing and selling. 
And people want to feel like they matter because we've already had years of experience feeling like we're just another number, right? I don't even opt into anybody's email list anymore because I don't want to feel that way. I don't want to feel subjected to like their, their snazzy marketing language. And I know they're just trying to sell me. And I know it's like, even the way it's written, it doesn't feel like it's a real human back there with real emotions. Might as well be an AI bot writing that email, right? Probably do a better job. So I just feel like we have been improperly trained by people that probably had good intentions. I always try to believe the best in people, but regardless, this year of 2020 woke people up and now it's time for a shift. And that's what we need to accomplish here. When you are sending out an email, a mass email on LinkedIn, really before you click the send button, look at it and think, how would I feel if I got this email from Joe Schmo from X company? gross. Like actually it feels pretty flat and dry to me. I think I delete it. Well, then you probably should rethink your strategy. I don't know. That's just my two cents. No, I I think you're right. And I'm not sitting here feeling high and mighty either because I did it. I used automation um, on LinkedIn about two to three years ago when we were building out uh, an online community for the fitness industry. And I'm still getting messages back from two to three years ago, right? Where people are like checking their LinkedIn. They're like, totally. and, and, and it makes me feel terrible because they're like, it's just, it's just obvious. And then I'll get something from people I know and respect on LinkedIn. They're like, Hey, it's happening the other day. Hey, what are you doing to stay healthy and fit during, during this pandemic? And I was like, really, man, like me, right? Like I'm a, I'm a health coach. <laughs> like what I've been doing for the last 15 years. And and it just kept going back and forth until I realized this wasn't the, the person who was doing it was obviously not the person I thought it was. So I reached out to the guy who I know and I was like, hey, man, this is just not, this isn't mm-hmm. good for your brand. And so I, I say it because I've done it and I know how it feels. And if I can help one person that's right, uh, maybe refrain from going that way, then then I think it's been, it's been time well spent. That's right. Yeah. So you, you got a book. Talk about oh, the book. Yeah. And the So Elevate Every Experience is the book. I'm just working on finishing up the the draft and then we move into editing early next year and then into launch. And it really is a lesson about being in service and how you can have just a more conscious business model, really. So there's talk of values. We're talking about marketing and sales and operation and, and team development, culture development. And it is designed for small business owners. I really want the business owner to buy copies for everybody on their team, even the freelance web developer that they talk to from time to time, because it's it's so crucial that every member of your team is on the same page. And gosh, Eric, for 15 years, I've observed how the business owner is the bottleneck. All of the ideas, the culture, the the methodology, the meaning, it stays trapped in the business owner's mind and they don't know how to adequately get it out. And so this book is going to set them up for success so that everybody can read the book. The team understands how the business owner is thinking and how to help unlock all of that content and wisdom so that the team is now, their thought leadership has been developed. And when you develop your team's thought leadership 
OMG. They start to think like you. They are more conscious. They are more elevated. They're holding you accountable in ways that you will definitely appreciate. You won't feel like the bottleneck anymore. And the entire, op- the entire company operates in such a smoother way. And but entrepreneurship is super hard. Oh my gosh, it's so difficult. But I've really learned a lot about systems and about culture and this idea of elevating every experience. And I have seen how much it shifts my clients' businesses. So that's what the book is about. I'm hoping it's going to be out in 2021. There's a chance it might be 2022, depending on how I want to launch it. But it's it's going to make a difference. That's for sure. Yeah. Only if you knew someone who knew how to launch books into the stratosphere. <laughs> I know. That's why I'm thinking, gosh, <laughs> is a year enough time to prepare for this launch? I don't think it is. I might need two years to prepare for the launch. And it's funny because authors think, I need more time to write the book. And I'm thinking, I need more time to, to make this launch work. It's it's going to be important. Yeah. It's the cobbler's shoes, right? It's yeah. old, uh, <laughs> in yeah. the digital age. Well, Amber, it's, it's so good catching up with you. I love every time we get on a conversation like this. It's like there's another evolution that's taking place and it's just, it's a pleasure to to watch and it's it's really, really cool. Give us the goods. Where, where do people find you? People want to get in touch or, or check out all of your, all of your information. I'm all over the place online, so you can't miss me, but you can either search for NGNG Enterprises or Amber Vilhauer. Since that's a tough one, you could just go to ambervee.com and then that should redirect over to Amber Vilhauer. But I'm on social. My YouTube channel is packed with really great videos that teach you about website conversion and marketing and social and customer journey and all of the things. So definitely check out that resource too. Awesome. One last question. This is a new one to the show. If you had a table where you're going to have dinner with five people from any time in any oh, place, my goodness gracious. name one. Name one person I would want there? Yep. That's a really good question. What's coming up? I would want Martin Luther King to be at my table. I've been Ooh. thinking a lot about him lately, and I've been challenging my own voice and leadership in new ways. And I look back on Dr. King and and everything that he stood for and what he was willing to sacrifice. And I'm using it as a way to challenge like what I would be willing to sacrifice in the name of my beliefs. And it's been a really personal and intimate and vulnerable conversation with myself. So I would love the opportunity to ask him questions and, and let him change my, my thinking. Awesome. I love it. Well, Amber, thank you again for all of your wonderful insights. Keep, keep up the great work. You're doing really, really good stuff. <laughs> and I uh, can't wait till the next one. Appreciate you so much. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, Amber Vilhauer. Hey, everybody. This is your host, Eric Malzone. Don't leave yet. I have a few more requests for you. So, if you got value out of this podcast, I ask you to do a few things. Number one, go to wherever you're listening, whether that be Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and go ahead and subscribe to the show. Number two, while you're there, if you feel that we earned it, please leave us a nice review. Number three, share it. Whether it be social media, email, 
texting, whatever it may be. I'm sure you know somebody who would get value out of this episode just like you did. So please go ahead and share it. And that's how we get the word out. So it's really valuable and super appreciative. It only takes a minute of your time. Next, if you know of somebody, including yourself, who would be a great guest for the show, please head on over to level5mentors.com, L-E-V-E-L, the number five, mentors.com. Get in touch with me. Let me know what you're thinking. Uh, Make an introduction, whatever it may be. You can also get me directly in my email, which is eric, E-R-I-C, at level5mentors.com. Lastly, if you just want to chat, you want to find out more, if you want to expand on some ideas, I love hearing from the audience. So go ahead and hit me up on social media. I'm on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram. You also have my email already. So I love to hear from you. I'm always looking for ways to improve the show and I'm always looking to have great conversations. So don't hesitate to reach out. And once again, thank you for listening to the Black Diamond Podcast and you can expect a lot more from us.